Hello and welcome to Self-Titled 2, where I follow in the footsteps of America's most punchable face, the one and only Ben Shapiro. I also name this podcast after myself and pretend I know everything, so let's hop right in. I overheard that she was 19, she's got a fake ID and a nose ring, those kind of girls tend to know things better than I do. Figure out what she's hiding Just playing it cool but she's lying Better than I do In today's episode of Self-Titled Junior, we're going to be talking about the history of the war on drugs and current events in the Biden administration on the legalization of marijuana. Then I'm going to have two interviews with individuals that are for and against legalization. To understand where the war on drugs comes from, we have to first understand what was happening in the 1960s. This decade gave us a rise in recreational drug use. This was also when JFK and MLK were assassinated, the Vietnam War was happening, the Cuban Missile Crisis was happening. Fairly understandable that a lot of Americans turned to substance use. In 1969, officially the war on drugs was declared, but it really gained public attention on June 18th of 1971, where Nixon declared to the United States that drug abuse was public enemy number one. Since the Controlled Substance Act of 1970, the United States has spent $51 billion on anti-drug initiative. This number comes from the Drug Policy Alliance. So let's ask ourselves, why $51 billion? Who was using drugs? Why was this such a big deal to the United States? Why did our government suddenly take interest in public health? The 1970s were a pretty controversial period. In the summer of love, not too many people loved the American government, especially after the Vietnam War. But who specifically was the group critiquing the government? I'll give you a hint. It's the same cultural group that promoted the usage of marijuana in the 1960s and 70s. Have you guessed? It's the hippies. But of course, this is the United States. You're allowed to criticize the government. We have freedom of speech. So... The United States government couldn't make it illegal to be against the Vietnam War or to critique them or critique the draft. So how could they make it illegal to be a hippie? By making marijuana illegal in the 1970s, they essentially told hippies they could not be. A huge portion of their culture and their gatherings was illegal. You cannot critique your president or your government from inside a jail cell. And they knew that. Nixon knew that when he signed the Controlled Substance Act in 1970. I believe that this decision, the whole war on drugs, was absolutely to silence the government's opponents. Not to sound like a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> But turning away from the 1970s, let's look again at 2021. Let's 
look into the current Biden administration, especially everyone's favorite vice president, Kamala Harris. Whether or not marijuana is currently legal or illegal is really shady right now. Federally, nowhere in the United States is marijuana legal. It is completely illegal, all 50 states. But on a state level, 17 states allow for recreational use, and even more allow for medical use. With this hazy sense of legal versus illegal, the Democrat Party is profiting off of it like no other. Kamala Harris, as a prosecutor, was very well known for her very aggressive prosecution of marijuana users. But now that it's fashionable and cool to support the legalization and or decriminalization, she helped co-sponsor the Marijuana Justice Act of 2019, where this act is, personally, I think it's a really good thing, and it's focused on getting those prosecuted for nonviolent drug charges out of jail. But I just do not, I, let me, draw me a comment if you understand how she was allowed to co-sign this. She, she's the one who put them in jail. Harris is the one who put them in jail. So how could she co-sponsor an act to get them out of jail? You could just, I don't know, not put them in jail, consider The entire Biden administration is very wishy-washy on whether or not they are going to decriminalize and or legalize marijuana. In January, Biden himself was very pro-decriminalization, and he made that clear. Now he's the president of the United States, has not made a single move. When asked, hey, when are you going to do that? He said he was too busy. How are you too busy to be the president of the United States? What else are you doing? Decomposing? Come on, man. Biden and his campaign seriously used the subject to get him elected. Single-issue voters on the subject of marijuana thought that he was going to help them support what they're looking for. And then the second he gained power, he just forgot about them like pretty much every president before him. He's making false promises to get him into office. And I can bet my life that in three years, right before his reelection campaign, he's gonna be like, oh wait, no, I, I, I'm gonna really work on it, guys. I'll actually do it this time, but just, I just need another four years. Just elect me for like another four years and then I'll do it. He's gonna hold on to this like a lifeline to get himself elected again. So while both the Democrat and Republican parties can talk a lot, neither of them are going to do anything about it. I don't think there will be any further steps in decriminalization, legalization, complete criminalization, any of it. No one is going to win because it is a hot subject that can be used to politicians' advantage. They can control us rather than we control them, and that is going to lead into a dark place. 
while I can ramble on about how our system doesn't get anything done, I think that would get pretty boring. So let's go into our first interview. We're going to talk to Richard, an activist in Boston, Massachusetts. All righty, uh, welcome on. Do you want to give us some background? Let's do your vibe check. Yeah, uh, my name is Richard. I am 19 years old. I am an activist and I currently I'm a resident of Boston. Do you have any experience that really like informs your opinion or do you just feel like this is your research? Yeah, it's kind of both. I do have a book with actual research coming out, but I've also have the physical experience of being in the public school system. I've also been to marches, marches I've organized a couple um, organizations. I've been a member as was the leader of a couple ones uh, here locally in Boston. Got it. Can you tell us a little more about your book? Sure. It's all about uh, the difference in perspective that we have today of who's racist, who's not racist, who uh, supports this idea, who doesn't support this this idea. And it's not really uh, like you're a bad person for believing this. It's more of this person believes this thing because of this reason of more like uniting behind the fact that we all have a reason to believe what we believe and I also give a little bit of my own opinion on why I believe what I believe and why I'm doing what I'm doing. Wow, that sounds like it's going to be really interesting. Thank you. I will definitely have to get a copy of that. Free for you. So we're going to talk about legalization of marijuana. Okay. And so let's kick things off with the, like how did we get to where we are? Uh, with the Controlled Substance Act and the war on drugs creating a lot of fear, I feel like there's a lot of confusion. What mm. What are your thoughts on the current state of legalization and drugs? So, uh, my thoughts on the current state, of course, we have to acknowledge the history behind it. Uh, currently, marijuana is still federally illegal in the United States. Uh, we did try to pass an act last year around December. Uh, it did get through the House, however, it did not pass the Senate, which would federally legalize marijuana, which would have been just about the greatest thing. Um, and the way we got here is, you know, it all started in the 60s and 70s. Uh, you get a sudden kind of burst of in drug use. You see a spike in drug use. You even get the 70s branded as the summer of love. And it's really kind of a gilded name because that same summer there were, you get things like uh, mass incarceration. The family. I'm sorry? Uh, the Manson family, the serial. Oh, yes, oh, no. most definitely. Serial. And they the were, mm -hmm, most definitely. <laughs> and so you start seeing things like uh, a lot of crime, a lot of drug use, and that's because you get more. Um, summer festivals like you see you get more so so-called hippies people willing to explore themselves people coming just out of college or in college or even in high school just trying out drugs and kind of experimenting with their youth and it really felt like an epidemic uh not just because it was there but also because there was media coverage of it you get color you get tv in color you get um the newspapers talking about it you get politicians talking about it anyone can see it on their TV and anyone can attend these festivals. Uh, 
Um, so it's really where we started to see the need of a Controlled Substance Act uh, because the drug use was just obviously there. And politicians, like I said, are starting to talk about it more. And that's how we get all the laws that we have regarding substance use, particularly with marijuana. And like I said, today it is still federally illegal. I know that it is currently legal in 17 states and allowed with medical prescription in 36 states. Yeah, so it would be legal in states including Maine, New York, and Massachusetts. Alabama, I know, is a state where it's fully illegal, not even with a prescription. The Controlled Substance Act coming out in seventy in the seventies and then being legalized in seventy one makes me think. Do you? I mean, obviously, neither of us were alive in the sixties. Right. But makes you, <clears throat> excuse me, it makes you think like. Do you think there was a really significant change in drug use from the 60s to the 70s, or was there a change in what politicians in the media wanted to talk about? Do you think, like, did drug use really go up, or did talking about it really go up? I think, good, that's a really good question, because I think it's actually both. Uh, because, like I said, not only do you get a lot of people talking about it, because you, you have TV in color now, and... TVs aren't as expensive as they used to be, so more people have them in their house, at least one TV per household, so everyone could see the news. Uh, but the reason it was making the news, like I said, is because there really was more rampant drug use. Uh, although it's not as much as it would have you believe, you did see a lot of it. And like I said, before we started the podcast, uh, there was the opioid uh, kind of epidemic where people would get prescribed opioids for their pain and it did work. However, the opioids were kind of carelessly given out to patients just as a cash grab and you had a lot of patients getting addicted to their opioids and suffering from heavy symptoms of withdrawal and even turned to lives of crime just so they can get their opioids. So yeah, there was indeed a spike in drug use, as well as how many people were talking about drug use. Do you think, so you said it being legalized would be the best thing ever, or something like that, something along those lines. Yeah, I did say um, that. What are your thoughts like on it being legalized currently 2021? What do you think would happen? So, uh, what I mean by fully legalized, I, I think we have to make a distinction between decriminalized and legalized uh, in the first place. Decriminalized means that there are no penalties for it. It means that it remains illegal, but you will not be prosecuted for it. There aren't any specific uh, amount of the controlled substance that you can get prosecuted for. Legalized means there is no legal penalty and no legal prosecution for it. So you, there's, they just, it's like doing any other recreational activity. It's like taking a nap. No cop is going to come to your house for taking a nap. So what I want is for marijuana to be legalized. And my reasoning behind that is because in today's day, day and age, there's been extensive research as to the use of marijuana throughout decades it's not like it's a one-time thing it's 
marijuana use over time. And all studies have shown that there is no correlation between any bodily harm and the use of marijuana. It's actually safer to use than both tobacco and alcohol and any other drug that you would find on the street or anywhere otherwise. Not only does it have medicinal purposes for treating things like seizures and pain, um, it also is, like I said, a recreational thing that you can do just like tobacco. It, it's a calming agent. It relieves you from stress. Uh, it, I think that it should be controlled in the way that um, you should not be under the influence of marijuana while operating a car, for example, or any heavy machinery. You probably should not be operating at your job under the use of marijuana. Uh, although I do know that people are allowed to smoke outside of their jobs, but that's something different. And it's really, my opinion bases itself on just the fact that nobody has ever died from marijuana use. If anything, like I said, marijuana is being prescribed by doctors to be used in uh, healing ways. And you can see a lot of products with hemp, not actually THC, but hemp. THC is the actual chemical in the marijuana that gives you that high. Hemp is just the other part of the marijuana that kind of calms you down and mellows you out and like I, once again I cannot stress enough that marijuana has never killed anyone you would need an extensive ridiculous amount of marijuana in your body for you to ever receive an overdose and that amount has been calculated to be about somewhere ranging from like 400 times your body weight or something like that which is you're, you would probably die from being bloated before you die of marijuana. Yeah, I imagine that's a lot of a lot of eating and smoking. And yes. That would take a- it would take... Uh, it, it, it's just not possible for you to do. You cannot overdose of marijuana. Clinically, you cannot. I'm just going to look up real quick how long it takes or how much it takes to overdose. You look it up. You're going to see something like it's like a thousand pounds of marijuana. <laughs> if you're planning to off yourself with weed, you're going to have to fatten up those joints and smoke fast. Each one of the 20,000 plus joints would need 0.9 grams in it. Not to mention, researchers estimate you'll need to smoke them all in 15 minutes in order to die. Yeah. That's 1,500 pounds of marijuana in 15 minutes. Yeah, Good you time. cannot die from marijuana. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's kind of funny. That is That's really funny. It, I bet it's funny, right? I mean, Good luck. Like if you're yeah, good, literally good luck. That much weed. Good luck. What job do you have that animals. you're allowed to afford that? <laughs> yeah, if you can afford 1,500 pounds of weed, I think you can afford therapy. I think you can afford therapy. You should go to therapy. <laughs> but adding on to that, building off of that, given the fact that you cannot die from a marijuana overdose, and that it it is 
nowhere near as harmful as either tobacco use or alcohol use or even methamphetamine use uh, in the sense that you could drink for a week and be completely messed up, probably lose your job. You could smoke for a week and that would never happen. Uh, and if you're smoking uh, cigarettes for a week, it probably goes to say that you're very stressed and you need to just chill out. Whereas marijuana users don't really do that. There's a lot of arguments that marijuana is a gateway drug, so it's really a way for you to start and then get into harder drugs, but there's really um, no real life correlation. You know what? Scrap that. We're going to edit that out because there are some studies that say that people start with marijuana uh, and then go to other drugs, but it's not because of marijuana. But it's, it, it, it can be something that can be turned against yeah, me. So, probably. so let me just, can yeah, the grass, and literally, uh, any, yeah, so let me just leave that out because, <laughs> because technically it can be a gateway drug. So let me restart that. So building, yeah, so building off of what I, what you just said and what I just said, um, marijuana should also be legalized because like I said, marijuana will never kill you. It is much less harmful than alcohol and tobacco and any other drug that you may ever do like i said if you're drinking alcohol for seven days you will be completely messed up and you will probably lose your job if you smoke marijuana for seven days you will be fine you will probably get hungry and because of that the fact that it is criminalized is really that because you get people who are doing recreational activities in their own time in manners that are not harmful to either themselves or other people in their community in any way and they're being put away for years 20 and more years even before you get people who are still serving sentences today for marijuana use that they committed committed quote-unquote committed in the 80s so and, and, and even in states where marijuana has been decriminalized, which is a problem. Is it, is weed legal in your state? Weed is legal for recreational use in Massachusetts, yes. Okay. What, so I definitely saw in California, I kind of want to call it the gentrification of weed and how we still have people serving time but now it's like fun and trendy and we have like weed cookbooks and weed yoga and weed cooking shows on netflix so yes. what have you seen that what's your opinion on me gentrification of marijuana i think it's as you can see obviously an issue of race of who is doing the deed and how it's perceived whereas if a black person is using marijuana of course, rolling up a blunt might come to your head. You will think of them as lazy. You will think of them as careless, probably a little bit unhinged, doesn't really care about their job, is, oh, they're smoking. He's a drug dealer, perhaps. But when you think of a white person doing it, you think, of, like I said, weed yoga. You think of hemp treatments. You think of anything that might be cool and hip to do with weed. And it, now it's a medicinal herb it's it's okay and that really speaks to the fact that the 
Controlled Substances Act that you saw from the 70s and the war on drugs that really um, kind of ignited in the 80s as racist. There is really no way to go around it because you see marijuana being decriminalized at a steady rate as well as, well as being legalized, but there are still people in jail serving sentences for marijuana use. So what use is there for marijuana to be legal if we do not get the prisoners out of jail for marijuana offenses? Really just insane. Yes. So um, the argument really is, um, is weed okay to do because it's okay to do or is weed okay to do only for some people? Yeah, exactly. Like, what makes you more available to, to use marijuana? Does that, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I believe the, and it's kind of been proven at this point, it's just knowledge that the war on drugs was really just kind of the war on black people. It was really just putting black people in jail because law and order really became a big political point in the A's. You see Reagan who actually started the, the war on drugs. He, that's one of the reasons, besides his charisma, of course, why he won the presidency, because he promised that he would put those thugs away to jail. Um, and he was hard on crime. That's the tough on crime kind of sentiment that started uh, building up in the 80s. So, uh, you know, Reagan uh, benefited from it. Clinton benefited from it, and he even himself, Bush, benefited from it too. Clinton um, even admitted that he took the wrong uh, path in being tough on crime, as he said, because he actually had a policy. He introduced a policy that if you were caught for a third time for any kind of crime, notably marijuana cases, which were the most prosecuted crimes uh you would just be sent you would be put away for life for good he said so you get a lot of you 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 had a vicious cycle of um somebody selling drugs you're doing drugs or somebody's using marijuana in a black community they get put away to jail they can't make bond because there's no other jobs hence why they're selling marijuana and then that's all they know. Jail. If they Exactly. If they do happen to get out of jail, they're just gonna go back to selling marijuana, back to jail and then they get put away for life. So it's really you know, because the communities that were more, the most police were the the poorer communities, the community the ghettos, the projects, which happened to be where the most the the highest concentration of black people were. And it's really all of a, it's really a systemic issue because it was, the war on drugs is easily the fastest, most direct, single-handed way to put black people into jail for life. should not even if they don't legalize marijuana there should not be a mandatory minimum on nonviolent drug charges 
mandatory minimum sentencing, is what I mean. Um, like, just so frequently, it's teenagers. I don't know, give them some mandatory therapy, some mandatory community service. But I can, I can't imagine jail ever helping. Right, it's really, jail itself is kind of a place where you're just put away from society for a while, so you're really kind of dissociating away, you're corroding, you're eroding away in a cell, uh, often put in solitary confinement, not um, really going to help you at all. So you really have to think more of restorative justice as a sentiment that has been growing a lot lately of we're not really going to um, put you away like you're nothing in a cell. We're actually going to get you therapy, get you to understand why what you did was wrong. Of course, we're still going to punish you for your crimes, but we're, we're going to do it in a way that requires you to become a better human being before we think of putting you away for good. So you wouldn't have teenagers going to jail for marijuana use. You would have probably teenagers going to therapy for marijuana use, asking more of not um, what are you going to do to make this up to society and more like what is going on in your life that made you feel like you had to do drugs? What is going on in your life that made you feel like you had to commit a crime per se? and actually get down to the root of the problem and not just the symptoms. Because if we const if we constantly keep cutting off the weeds, quote unquote, they're just gonna keep coming back. You have to get them from the root. Mm -hmm. So you brought up that, um, was it a bill? The legalization not getting passed in yes. the Senate. What, do you have any strong opinions on how the current admin is handling marijuana legalization? Well, it is no secret that Joe Biden introduced a crime bill, I believe it was in 1994, that would really um, not uh, be in the favor of people who were already in jail for marijuana uh, use or new offenders. It is also no secret that Vice President uh, Kamala Harris was a prosecutor in a lot of these cases and is responsible for putting away a lot of people, particularly people of color, for the crime of recreational marijuana use. So when you get two people like that in the same kind of power dynamic, I think it's kind of um, not a surprise that their their focus is not too much on legalizing marijuana right now they're not really talking about it they're not even alluding to it uh i don't know if, you see what they said they were too busy yeah uh, yeah is that is that what they them. said yeah i think a reporter or somebody asked them hey look any updates on that when are you guys going to do that so you kind of yeah let so. people on with the idea of legalizing it and they're like mm, we're just busy right now yeah i'm actually too busy uh to be the president so yeah you know, other than Apparently he's too busy right. taking uh, pictures of himself walking to post on Twitter. They're always walking. Yep. Like, <laughs> Someone, teach the man how to post. The two of them are always walking. Yeah, yeah. 
don't get me wrong, he's probably way more progressive than other people that we could have gotten, but, but at the same time, um, it's not enough. It's simply having the sentiment is not enough. Action. Just with the coexist bumper sticker. Yeah, no, we need the action. Same racism as the last president, but he's just a little more quirky. Yeah, he's a, he's a little bit different. Okay. It's a little bit, little different, different flavors, same thing. So you need somebody who comes from a community who's been impacted by this issue, who knows, and somebody who has taken action before, namely an activist. I'm not saying that I myself should be president, not what I'm saying at all. <laughs> Somebody, of course, who meets the requirements for a president and somebody who has that knowledge and experience. Somebody who actually takes action because action actually trickles down into the sentiment. It builds up a sentiment that, why haven't we done this before? Uh, you know, we need to do this now. We're going to take action now and we're going to convince people now. We're not going to hope they just kind of agree with us eventually which is what I feel Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have been doing kind of hoping that people just agree with them on what they want to do and I think it's really yeah I think it's really a failure namely the Democratic Party to believe that people will just agree with them uh, which is why you saw actually an increase in the um, vote for the Republicans uh, from the black community too I feel like we need more proactive presidents that actually uh, have the history and the intention to work on these issues because there's a lot of people out there being put away, still haven't been put away for things that are not necessarily a moral, a moral crime. They're not harming anybody. And if you really are going to decriminalize marijuana, then you should, you should also take away those people that have been put away for marijuana before. Um, like you know, by now, there's people uh, profiting off of the marijuana business. Like you brought up yoga, uh, marijuana yoga, which is really new to me. But if you legalize marijuana, you're also going to be seeing a lot of marijuana businesses that you can tax. And it, will, and it could potentially be really good for the economy. Of course, you're still going to part of the police in the background. But you're still going to be seeing people selling it over the counter, so to speak. You can just get it at your pharmacy. You can just get it from anybody who's growing it in their backyard, you know. And you could tax off of that. And you could really benefit the economy off of it. It definitely would be cheaper than keeping people away in jail for years and years and years. Absolutely. I think, I think that's probably a good point to end on. Thank you. I really think legalizing marijuana would benefit everyone. I didn't even think of that. The economic growth, that's new to me. Yeah, if you make something legal, then you can actually capitalize off of it. Yeah. Yeah. Besides, if you keep marijuana legal, I mean illegal, you're not going to see any less users of it. You're just going to see a spike in illegal use of marijuana. If people want to do marijuana, they're going to do it. Trust me, they're going to find it from somewhere and they're going to do it. Yeah, I can't disagree with you. Yep. Cool. I think we're done with that one. <laughs> 
right. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for letting me interview you. It's my pleasure. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. I'm just going to learn how to edit this. I don't really, I don't know, I've never really edited audio. I've done a couple of videos, but I'll figure it out. Okay, well, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Well, it was awesome hearing from Richard today. I'll link his socials in the description below. But let's move on to our next interviewee, Mike Morgan. He is giving his point on why marijuana should be illegal. So my name is Michael Morgan. And that's your vibe check. Well, pretty much. That's who I am. (laughs) Can you explain the difference between, like, what is... What's the discrepancy between state and federal legalization? How come weed is like sort of legal, sort of not? Well, so you've got, really you've got two sets of, or two bodies that are making laws. You've got the federal laws that uh, United States Code, USC, 18 USC is, uh, would be the uh, criminal code. 26 USC is the tax code. So I don't know where narcotics fall, but most likely, there's because there's probably going to be some in the USDA, they're going to have, uh, there's going to be laws specific to that, Food and Drug Administration. So I, not being an expert in that, I bet you they have their own set of laws over there in the United States Code. Uh, 18 U.S.C., 18 United States Code is the criminal code. And in there, uh, possession, transportation, so on and so on. Controlled substance. Well, I think the Controlled Substance Act is in 18 U.S.C. It may be in another U.S.C. Okay. Yeah, well, I work the tax code. (laughs) You build a bomb, you break the tax law. You break the tax law, okay. Yeah, because you didn't pay your taxes when you built the bomb. Oh, okay. So. And is that why ATF is under Treasury for so it long? It used to be under Treasury, yes. Now it's under Justice. Learn something new every day. Uh, alcohol, Whiskey Rebellion. Well, I just assumed that building a bomb is like a regular crime, not a tax crime. Well, no, it's a tax crime. Oh, okay. It's also a regular crime. There's an 18 <laughs> USC. When you possess it, when you build it, possess it, and build it and possess it, you are in violation of the tax code because, because you didn't you pay, pay your taxes, taxes on it. You could have a building bomb. that bomb. Okay. Yes, you, you could. You could. I'm gonna run and build a bomb and just pay my taxes and just be like, oh. Well, yeah, huh. if you wanted to do that. Okay. Good luck. <laughs> okay, so state versus federal. Okay, legality. so state. Oh, yeah, we're we're we're, we're kind of sidetracked on that. Okay, so uh, you get the, the federal laws, and they apply to the United States across the board, and not only in the states, uh, but also in its territories and its protectorates. There's going to be some issues there, but, you know, like Guam and Puerto Rico are uh, territories, and then you've got the outlying islands like the Virgin Islands, uh, you've got the territory 
But the ones you get smaller than that, you get yeah, input from tractors. I think you're right. Oh, I, I think you're right. Could, I couldn't pin that down anymore. But, but it's like Saipan Yeah. So the well, but those are you know, so not all states, but you've got territories and protectorates. So, um, so the the federal laws apply across that, and then somehow back down there in the territories and the protectorates, it gets kind of slow. But the general laws will still apply. Um, Who's enforcing them? There's federal agents in those uh, the federal law enforcement in those areas. And then so well, and that gets into the next part. So you've got your federal law enforcement. You get your federal laws, and they're enforced by federal law enforcement. Now you have state laws, and those are enforced by the uh, law enforcement agencies of that state. The state police. You know, some states have highway patrol. But also, you know, the county sheriff, they enforce those state laws. And then you have the municipalities, the police departments. So inside the state, you have, you know, you kind of have subdivisions of law enforcement. You have the state law enforcement, state highway patrol, uh, fish and game. Uh, you know, they enforce different laws and different uh, regulations inside that state, and they can cross throughout state uh, you have um, uh, county so your sheriff's department is in the county and they have jurisdiction in the county and then which and the sheriff is an elected official he's elected by the people and then you have uh, uh, and then you have the police departments the chief of police he is appointed by city commission the mayor and the city uh, council so now each one of those bodies the, the state then they can pass laws the county has laws and ordinances and such then you have the municipalities cities that pass ordinances so, so okay continue. our federal our federal level marijuana is illegal in yes. some states it okay. is legal. So what if, because Idaho's state is not legal, it's not legal federal, it's not Correct. Weed is completely illegal in Idaho. Illegal. What if one, yeah, it's completely illegal. What if Rigby or Jefferson woke up one day and was like, weed's legal. We all, we all decided it, that's fine. And we voted on it. And so in just Jefferson County, they were like, well, here we are. Okay. So, well, all right. Well, all right. So, could it happen? Yes. Is it legal? No. The the exact thing that you're talking about right now is um, is happening. Well, not the exact thing, but basically what you're saying or what you're describing is sanctuary cities for illegal aliens. If you enter the United States without properly, pro, you know, properly entering the United States, documented, uh, a legal immigrant. If you're not, you are an illegal immigrant. Then you're here in the United States illegally, federally. Now, so 
It, so hold on now. So it goes back. Remember, we were talking about the law. So you've got your federal laws, and you get your federal law enforcement agencies, Customs and Border Patrol, uh, DHS, uh, FBI from the Department of Justice, ATF, DEA, uh, etc. Also from the Justice Department. Uh, you've got Secret Service, and now everybody's got their their U.S. Marshals are in the Justice Department. So. They are, they strictly enforce federal law. They don't enforce Rigby's laws about, or city ordinances about not littering or, you know, whatever. You know, you can't stand on this street corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So federal law is not, you know, federal law enforcement is not going to enforce that because they don't have a dog in that fight, right? Now, well, I will tell you that there's, there's one group, and people don't talk about it, and they have all kinds of power, is the U.S. Marshals. The U.S. Marshals are one of, basically, the U.S. Marshal, the United States Marshal and his deputies. There's a U.S. Marshal in each region, and then he has his deputy marshals. How many regions do they have? Different agencies, I I don't know. Different agencies have different regions. I I don't know what the Marshall's regions are. I can tell you pretty much all throughout the West Coast what ATF's regions were and well into the the East Coast. But I I know the FBI, their, uh, their regional office, although they have outlying offices, their basically controlled out of Salt Lake City for the FBI. So any FBI agent in this area, they're part of the Salt Lake City Field Division. ATF, the agents in Idaho, are part of the, uh, what's up? I know they have a remote office. They have an office, they have a field office in Boise. They're a, the Boise Field Office is part of the Seattle Field Division. And the Seattle Field Division has responsibility from eastern Idaho all the way out to Saipan, Guam, Alaska, Hawaii, all the way out. <laughs> just you guys can have everybody. Yeah, uh, American <laughs> Samoa, which is on the other side of the uh, the equator. Pretty far. Uh, uh, yeah, and, far and Guam is on Seattle the Asia. other side of the International Dateline. But it's all being controlled by, or it's all being supervised by one uh, one area for uh, one field division for ATF. So when you ask about how they're broken down, I can't answer that because I just don't That's know. That's fair. But usually there's a federal courthouse. They're attached to a federal courthouse. I think there's one in Pocatello. Oh, cool. So there is. It's not going to be a field division, but I bet you there's at least one. So like deputy marshal there with. The state versus federal. Technically, a federal agent could go to California and be like, "Wow, everybody's going to jail. Everybody's uh, going to jail." Uh, uh, no, I mean, no, they no. Won't. So, well, we, we kind of skipped over. That. So, the the marshals can actually enforce state law. I, I, I didn't say that part. They can. They whereas the rest of us, we can't. We could be sworn. We, we they no longer. Uh, so, a federal agent, a special agent. 
or a, uh, a federal law enforcement officer can be a sworn peace officer in a state, but the state has to recognize you as a peace officer. What is a peace officer? Like how does that work? Uh, it basically says that you can. We're, we're going to allow you to uh, enforce state laws. It's it's a nice thing to have, but it's also not a great thing to have. I didn't, now you have to I, you, enforce you, the literature. Now you got to do it. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, uh, uh, so in California, I made no effort to become certified as a uh, as peace a off, peace California officer in the state officer. of California. Nope, didn't want to be recognized as that. Uh, so, you uh, mean you as an ATF agent don't? No, I wasn't an agent. I was okay. an explosives enforcement okay. officer. But under ATF, yeah. they it was would... a law enforcement, gun carrying. So if you were... Got the whole... Was not an agent. Okay. If you were a agent and a sworn peace officer, what do you do... In the state of California. In, in the state of California, when somebody pulls up next to you and lights a blunt? Because ATF would be like, you okay, certainly well, can't so that's, do that. There's, there's that. That is a huge question right there. That is that is a huge question. There's no answer. So we're, well, we're we're dancing around all over the place. Uh, so so you get your your federal law enforcement. So federal laws you cannot possess, you can't transport, dis, uh, uh, you know, uh, an armed drug trafficking organization. You you can't you can't operate in that. You're you're breaking the law federally. So now. For instance, we're talking about California. So California passes the laws saying that they're they're basically they took those laws off the books. So, but they didn't. I, I don't know all their laws. So now the state peace officer, and and they had there was a lot of issues there. Because there were a lot of groups that that's how they made their, uh, they, they, that's what they did for a living, was uh, going out and, and finding these, these uh, marijuana grows. So it, it's not that California made it legal, it's that they're not enforcing it. And they're, they took the laws off the books. Think of it that so way. What did they do with the officers, like the agents? Or people who were like, this is my job. I round up marijuana uh, well, the, the next day, you're doing something else. You're <laughs> yeah. Well, if, if you have that skill, if that's what you do for... You're going to move to Idaho? Doing, well, no, no. Uh, so you still got a drug, huge drug problem. Yeah. You know, so if, instead of, you know, specializing in uh, marijuana grows, well, you're just getting into... Uh, you know, meth labs? Yeah, you're just doing meth labs or... or uh, Drug Trafficking Organization, DTO. I know who you are. You're an armed drug trafficking organization. Hmm. So, so on the topic of DTO, <coughs> if, if everyone... You realize that we're not answering any questions. Continue. That's fair. That is very fair. Okay, continue. Well, <laughs> on the topic of DTOs, what... What are your thoughts on what would happen if everywhere was like 
sort of legal, like, the way California is. What if Idaho did that? What if all 50 states were like, well, we're just going to look the other way? (sighs) So when you make a conscious decision to look the other way, so you, you get less of what you punish, you get more of what you reward, right? Just like dealing with your kids, just like um, uh, just like taxes in the United States. If I want to, if I want you to open a business, you know, a construction business in this area, what is the easiest way, me as a politician? What is the easiest way for me to get you to open a uh, a construction? I'm going to give you a special break. I'm, you know, uh, maybe you as an individual, or uh, or you as you know, you know, uh, waivers or uh, or such that you know we're not going to tax this kind of activity. Punish? How do you keep people from doing it? Taxing it harder. Taxing it harder. So taxes have two, two, uh, two purposes. One to raise money for the government, which is it's a legitimate reason. I mean, I hate paying my taxes, but I do. So you pay taxes. I'm rather into public schools, so well, you have to. <laughs> so big fan of raise. So taxes are for raising uh, raising money for the government, but it also is used to uh, uh, control uh, control activities. So uh, we you know we were joking about it early on about a uh, uh, paying your taxes. So you know you can build a bomb. Because it's true, but not only do you have to meet the federal regulations, you have to meet all the state and local regulations. I imagine it's really not that easy to build a bomb. I'm sure there are there are problems other than paying your taxes. People, so you know, if you're, if I if I'm out teaching, if I really really wanted to, I suppose. If I'm teaching a class to a fire department or a police department, and in that. Before the post blast, yeah. this will be a blast for the post. Uh, there's ways around that, one. but <laughs> no. Basically, what I just did is I built a bomb. Why is it legal for me to do it and not for you? Truth. It's a lot more complicated <laughs> than what I'm going to say, but basically, you know, I'm registering it. I'm, I'm kind of registering it, whereas you, you know, the the criminal is. You not. got the government's permission. Yeah, I'm with them. Mom said I could. Pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> but that's the so that that's that's how you know you're able to to do that. Uh, but so that that's what I'm getting at is how do you, you know, that would be a form of punishment and reward. You know, I don't want you to build a bomb. So the easiest one of the easiest ways for me to keep you from doing it is to 
develop some tax laws that say that you know it, you can do it if you do it properly, register it, and so on. Technically, and so I'm forth. not taking away your rights, but I'm yeah, maybe but telling I, you not. Yeah, that is a, that actually is a good way of putting it. You're not taking away anybody's rights, but you're strongly encouraging <laughs> them to go in another direction. And and of course, if they violate it, well now you uh, you're looking at five, ten years just. That, I didn't even say using it. Yeah, but there's building and there's uh, there's possession and there's uh, transfer. You put it in your car and you're like, oh, yeah. that's another drop. Yeah. When when you well, so when you buy a uh, when you buy a uh, a gun, you fill out a forty four seventy three and basically a uh, uh, form for the at the the, the, the gun shop. You fill out a form. Basically, it's asking who you are, you know, what is the what is the serial number on this gun, all the basic information, but it's more about you. And one of the things that's asked is, are you a prohibited person, so on and so forth. Are you, uh, are you a felon? Uh, Do you have a history uh, of violence? Yeah, are you a felon? Do you have mental defect? Uh, is, are you, not, you know, uh, an, an alien Do you have any domestic resident? abuse charges? Actually, I think that might not be. Well, they got rid of that Violence Against Women Act. Maybe we should bring no. that back. No. It expired. Did they like ignore it? That's not relevant. I don't think Sorry, so. continue. Um, so that that form right there, is it, uh, you're, you're transferring that 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 company is transferring that firearm to you. Well, they're doing the same thing. That that's you know you're you're they're taking control of the transfer of that firearm. They're tracking the transfer of that firearm. Also, the explode or you know making a bomb is more complicated than that. You know or, or you know, the transfer. <laughs> I of sure hope it's harder. You know, than there that. there's the the legal way of doing it, and then there's the illegal way of doing it. And while you're doing it the illegal way, you know the way you go. I, I imagine there's a lot less yeah. red tape. Yeah. That's so why it's illegal. so well, I don't know how we got onto this. <laughs> this one, but you know, so that you know, you're you know, there, there's the control, reward, there's punishment and reward. I mean, I, nobody likes to use that word punishment, but you know, let's just say it's there's punishment and reward on taxes, that side of it, and then there's the positive raising and of negative revenue. reinforcement, yeah, positive and negative reinforcement, and then there's the uh, the raising of the money. So city where he was in California the company had leased a warehouse went to the city and said we want to grow 
Indian office to make this illegal grow. And they were growing thousands of plants inside this warehouse because they were doing indoor grow. I can't imagine that's very ecologically friendly. Well, we've had that discussion. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> but all those, those, those uh, you know, organic people. Yeah. 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 They'll, they'll eat organic and then they'll smoke that, that weed. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. We'll take You're the plants. We'll put them indoors. I'm not even going to use that's a hypocrite credit the word because it's just, you may know what you're talking about. You're just chasing a fad. But, um. So they register that warehouse as an indoor grow. Well, the federal government doesn't recognize that, doesn't have any dog in the fight other than they're trying to stop it. But when it's going on so much, it's hard to stop it. All right? So this warehouse, imagine there's six warehouses on this block. And I'm now, after I get this one, and you as the city mayor, I'm renting that warehouse and I'm, uh, I'm using electricity like it's going out of style because of those grow lights and uh, you ruin the environment so yeah so. It, well there, there's again well, like we were saying it's it's so now all this material is all this, this these drugs are in this warehouse and it's a good business I rent the other five warehouses tell you as the county, you, you may know that I'm renting those five and I do indoor grow. This electricity bill is just is really high because And those I electricity bills are through the roof too, but everybody's happy because I'm renting those buildings, I'm using that local electricity, I'm paying my bills, everything's on time because I'm working on this one. I have this one warehouse where, and now They're assessing on me for this one warehouse for this grow. I paid to have this grow here. And now what's happening is all those other grows, they're farming all of those. And then they're saying, all this money, you know, one, you never see that money for those other five because they're all illegal. And the only money that you're seeing is from that first warehouse. The rest of the five, I'm using. Basically, I'm using your city and your authorization to allow me to run a grow as cover for my other five illegal grows. So that yeah, came out of that address right there, that warehouse. All 10,000 pounds of it, all 200,000 pounds of it came from that one warehouse. We just but have the best nobody's life, following it. So when they go to the county or go to the city, they say, "Hey, well, that side of that, just those, you know, those hundred plants right there, those, you know, thousand plants or whatever the number was." And the other five warehouses, nobody's tracking them because nobody's tracking them. The city just wants to say, "Yeah, they're good." And I haven't heard anybody say this yet, but uh, so an armed drug trafficking organization. I have that warehouse and I'm a 
local police department. Well, no, they're all good. They know what's there. Are they not a member of the, is the police department not a member of the armed drug trafficking, drug, drug trafficking organization? There's a member of it. Yeah. I, I just, it kills me. And I guess if, yeah, the city, if the city is making oh, money it, off it, of it. It ticks me off. It, it, it. Yes, they're making money, so the whole and the police department is protecting them. <laughs> you don't have a problem with this? Of course not. It goes back to what you and I were talking about when we first discussed this, is there's the two people you know, on the street. One's got a bag of weed, and the other one's got the, you know, it's a, he's got the $20. The yeah, he's got the cash. Everybody looks at it. It's like, well, there's there's the transaction right there. Like the two citizens. Yeah, two citizens. Thing. You know, minding their own business. You know, we could doing what they want to do. It. Yeah. Well, they don't see what's been going on behind that. You know, though that those warehouses, they're dealing in huge cash, huge volumes of cash. Uh, you get these outdoor growers way out. They're dealing in some pretty serious cash also. They're spending a lot, but they're dealing with a lot of cash right there, at least the guys who are in control of it. What are they doing with that cash? Where's that cash? You think it's going into a bank? I imagine not. They would have to launder it. You know, if, if you, $10,000, if you put $10,000 or you transfer $10,000, start looking at you. Well, now what do you do with all that money? You know, you're... It's not going to fit under your it, mattress. It, it, you know, you watch some of these older, in particular these older car, uh, movies, uh, Below, uh, uh, well, a couple of these older, you know, movies about drug trafficking in the 80s. And you see these guys were just dealing with huge chunks of cash. Well, what do you got? You're going to have armed guards. They're going to be guarding your cash. They're going to be guarding your drugs. You know, they're not nice people. They're there to kill you if you do the wrong thing. You know, these are... So now you've got killers wandering your street and we're just basically ignoring them. It, It just... Baffles me. Uh, environmental. So, you'll if you do some research, you'll you'll hear comments, and you start reading about it. You'll hear comments about how potent the drugs are, marijuana is today, as compared to what it was 30, 40 years ago. And before the people took the drugs. Well, the, no, no. How potent it is. Well. GMO act, you know, think of it as like GMO, genetically modified organism. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's not that you're, 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 there's the, 
chemist over here mixing stuff, but you know, it's like breeding dogs. You know, you want to have, uh, but you get to have a new breed every year. You know, a new breed of weed instead of, a, you know, having to wait 50 years or have a, you know, transfer one dog and make it something else. You know, you, you, dog you cross one, you know, yeah, you, you want a shaggy dog. You, you want a, uh, Uh, you, you want a lab, but you don't want it to have, sh uh, you don't want it to shed. So you find a dog that doesn't shed, a poodle, a poodle you cross them, and what do you have? A labradoodle. Cute. Yeah. So, you know, uh, look how quick that happened. You know, just two dogs. Let the, the, the pup grow up, and now you've got a dog, uh, a Labrador, who doesn't shed. Everybody wants that. Well, so now go over onto the drug side. So they start doing that, and they are now producing. You know, there, there's all this this crossing over, and you know, looking for potent, looking for potent. Well, and now you've got the uh, fertilizers, you're adding chemicals, you're adding pesticides, and so on and so right. forth. And now, well, well, now we're just we're still talking indoors or outdoors, and you end up with this plant that you between $500 and $1,000, no matter where you are in the United States. California prices are just really out of whack. Like that's, that's a lot of money. Well, now go indoors and have this indoor grow. No bugs. Well, well no, there are lots of bugs because it, well, there's no birds to eat them. Oh. You're fertilizing those plants. They've got 24. Grow lights just blasting on them almost all the time. Sixteen to eight. So they're just growing and growing, and there's fertilizer. So they, they, and, and now you've got these bugs that get on them. And what do you do? The bugs are eating your product. Pesticides, loading it with pesticides, loading it with uh, with uh, uh, fertilizer. You end up with these huge plants, but. What are these people smoking? A lot of chemicals. A lot of pesticides. <laughs> but then that, and, and a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, basically growth hormones, those fertilizers. But those same people, oh, I don't want to eat organic <laughs> whatever. Oh, I only eat the free range chicken yeah. eggs. Oh, so. free range chicken. Oh, you know, I don't drink enough purple hormones. Uh, organic purple cabbage. Whatever. <laughs> maybe the uh, maybe the marijuana will get you high, but I imagine the chemicals sprayed on it, well, you know, it's, the spray it's, paint it's, might get you so a little that, higher. That's the environment, okay? So now you know back to the uh, the outer uh, the outdoor grows. Again, a lot of my experience is coming out of California. So northern California, along the coast, you got some great weather, even in the winter time. If you get below the snow line. You know, it's not like Idaho. <laughs> There's not really that many Winters in, in California are not like Idaho. <laughs> you know, you'll get rain. You're in certain areas, it'll get snow. But even then, it's not there for four months. Um, it's a surprise if the snow sticks. Yeah. So, and now you've got, uh, up in California, you've got a lot of these mines. Well, what do mines do? They fill up with water. Old 
mine spill up in the water. Well, that water gets leached through the rocks and it picks up chemicals from those rocks. There's sulfur, there's potassium, talking just just ore in in those mountains pre-human intervention no no just just yeah yeah pre-human intervention just the the materials in those rocks the water seeps through it it goes into the sulfur let's let's just just use sulfur not the metals not the chromium and cadmium and all these other things metal stuff they're mining for yeah the stuff that they're mining for just the sulfur, which, you know, some people mine for that. But now, so the water gets onto the, the sulfur and it leaches through and you end up with, uh, it, it, you know, they combine. There, there will be, because there, there's chemical reactions going on and some of that will combine in and you end up with a, uh, a form of sulfuric acid. And it's got a, it's not strong sulfuric acid, but it's sulfuric acid in those mines, in those those bodies of uh, water in those mines. So the reason why I bring that up is you're out in Northern California in the summertime, and you grew up there, so you know it doesn't rain a whole lot in the summer. And that's the prime growing season. But where is there lots of water? In the mine. On the hill, <laughs> and it's up above me, so I don't need to get a pump. I just need to siphon it out. It's an easy free and I'm watering my, uh, I'm watering my garden. Sulfuric acid. Did you wonder why all this good? You know why? Uh, again, but I always do organic. Whatever. <laughs> so back on the subject of. Um, like what happens if it's legalized? I think you're saying that there's, like it just leads to more crime, allowing one, it's like the gateway to more crime. Like how- Well, when you, you start like turning a blind eye to that stuff, you're rewarding it. And what you reward, you get more of. So, so we were talking about the other day on this recording. Yeah. What like the link between marijuana and human trafficking, like how that works, oh, like how oh, if we oh, legalize okay. that, yeah, yeah, be more I, I, I remember crime. that conversation. Yeah, so, so, well, you you've got the human trafficking of the individuals coming up from uh, uh, Mexico and Central South America, and a lot of those those same routes are being used by the drug trafficking organizations, the coyotes, as everybody calls them, you know, they're, they're all working together. So those routes, not only are they using the same routes, but then they'll, it's like, you know, I'll send a bunch of, uh, uh, you know, if I was a DTO, I would have the coyotes send a bunch of, uh, of these uh, illegal immigrants, these soon to be illegal immigrants running across the border over there and all the uh, border patrol run over to there to stop that, you know, 50 people coming across. And I just send my mule train over here on this other 
area because I know those guys ran over to stop them. So there's there's that. And that's a simple that's a simple uh, explanation. It's a little bit more complicated, but just think of it like that one. But what we were talking about then is you, this can happen where both the indoor grows and the outdoor grows. For instance, what we were talking about was the outdoor grows. So got a couple of acres out there in the mountains. It takes, you know, two days, a day and a half to walk back into it. So I'm going to need some people to tend that garden for me and to protect that garden for me because people are out there wandering around. So where do I find these people? I go to Home Depot or uh, some of these other, I, I shouldn't just say Home Depot, but these other, you know, where you know you can pick up day laborers. Who wouldn't be, if they wouldn't be noticed when they go missing. Well, yeah, well, they yeah, because they're, the yeah, they're, they're not going to, because nobody, you know, they're, they're in a community that is not uh, uh, open to law enforcement. Yeah, nobody's going to call the police because he's not here. So now you, you get this, this guy into the car. You, you either just outright snatch him once he gets into the car or you build up a rapport with him uh, while he's working. You know, maybe you say, hey, let's, you know, go out there for two weeks and I'm, this is what I'm going to pay you. I'm taking you out there in the middle of nowhere. You're going to live out there. Here's all the stuff that you need. You're out there for two weeks. And I'll come back and get you. Or uh, so while you're out there, or maybe you're, you're out there with him, you know, showing him the ropes, or you learn information about him. So after two weeks, they go after two weeks, right? yeah, you you know a bit about these people. You know where they live. You know where their family is. Say I in Mexico or Venezuela or Guatemala or whatever, and you basically put it to them afterwards, or or as he's wanting to go back. I know where you live. I know where your family lives. I know where your kids go to school. I know where your brother goes to school. And if you don't do X, Y, and Z, I'm going to have some of my buddies go over there and kill them. Or we're going to kidnap them. Because there's drug trafficking organizations down in Mexico. And you look at what's going on down in Mexico. It's pretty rough. Trust me, it's way worse than what you're seeing on TV and hearing about. It has gotten ugly. Won't even discuss that part of it. But uh, let's just say it's ugly. So now you're up there as a uh, basically slave labor now. You know, is he going to pay you? I mean, how much? how much is he going to pay you, give you a little bit of money? Is he going to sweeten the pot a little bit? You know, that that's a decision that's, bit, that's made, you know, at the time. You know, is this guy terrified of me? You know, is he thinking that I'm, you know, if, well, you, you can see where it. Is the life of his family enough? Yeah, is the life of his family enough? Do you have enough hanging over him that you don't even have to pay him? Uh, or you could just pay him a little bit, you know, give him some food, keep him alive all through the summer. So he's up there for three months. And then what do you do with him? Maybe you let him go. Maybe you don't. 
stick him in a hole, nobody will ever know. Because clearly, nobody's looking for him. And if they are, they have no idea where to look for him because they haven't found him in three months. Uh, that is human trafficking. You know, you think about, uh, you know, the uh, prostitution, you know, check uh, child slave or child uh, prostitution and all that. When, you, when people think of, of, uh, human of human trafficking. But it's not just that. There's also, you know, you're just trafficking humans for their, you know, for slave labor here in the United States. You don't really think about it, but that's what they're doing. Maybe you give them a little bit of money. Maybe you're not. How much, how much do you have over them? So, yeah. But there's one guy with a bag, one guy with a couple of dollars. And that's the only thing people see. And they're like, oh, what's possible? What's wrong with that? You may not have a problem with that, but I bet you if you Just knew. A bit more of a background. Yeah, that all that, you know, the, the environmental problems that are going on, the human trafficking problems that are going on, and uh, the armed felons and armed drug trafficking organizations that are going, you know, if you knew, you wouldn't be that comfortable with it. Trust me. And most of America does not know this. They do not know this. They don't think about it. They're like, eh, whatever. Don't bother me. All right, I think that's a good point to wrap up on. Okay. Well, I think that brings us to a close today. Thanks for listening. Uh, Mr. Larson, please give me an A on this project.